SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Are you ready? This is Pushing the Odds. Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. And we are off and running on a Wednesday edition of Pushing the Odds here on Sports Grid. Channel 204, Matt Peralt with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt. We're here for two hours exclusively today for a third straight day here just on Sports Grid Channel 204 on Sirius XM. The folks in Houston are hurting. The folks in Texas are really, really hurting. And look... So I do this podcast called The Daily Juice, and we started this fundraiser a couple days ago for the Ronald McDonald House. And I'll tell that story another time for you guys if you don't, don't know the background with me and my daughter. And she was very, very sick very early in her life, uh, and she was in the ICU for 16 days. And the Ronald McDonald House was incredible to my, to my wife and I, just incredible. But that's not why I'm bringing this up. So I, I don't know what to do here. I don't know if we can do something in the future, today, tomorrow, whatever it may be, but I, I feel like we're going to need to do something to help the people of Texas again. And I lived in Houston. I moved out. I've been here now for over five years in Vegas, but uh, you know, Red Cross, something or other, we're not paying attention as much as we should be as to what's happening in Houston. And just the, the reports and stories that I'm hearing from people who live there – I mean, they went through Hurricane Harvey. They went through just some horrific, horrific times with flooding and the wind damage and everything that happened in the wake of that hurricane. But in a lot of ways, this is worse because it's affecting the entire state. I mean, Harvey really hammered the coast and hammered Houston, which is only, you know, a couple of miles off the coast, you know, what, 20 miles off the coast of Houston, off, off Texas, rather. But this is impacting. You know, Dallas, it's impacting all of Texas. It's impacting the entire 29 million people live in that state, and they are dealing with some really awful situations. So, yes, I understand we're in the middle of a pandemic with COVID-19, and we're approaching a half a million deaths from COVID-19. That is a staggering number. When COVID began in, in late March of 2020, I videotaped myself I was doing sort of a diary for my daughter to kind of document what was happening. And I, I remember saying that we had had over 100 people die from COVID-19, and I was stunned at that number. I, I was scared by that number. And now it's a half a million, and we, we just kind of report it like it's the weather. Like, okay, yeah, it's you know half a million people dead from COVID-19. Same thing as, you know, here we are with a 50-degree day in Vegas. It's, it's way too casual. When we say that word, when we say that term. So it, it is, uh, it's been a really rough time for a lot of us. And I know there's a lot of people who are not in any position to help, but I, I, I just had to start today with I don't know if you guys are paying attention to what's happening, but they are nowhere near out of it. People in Houston cannot drink the water out of their faucets today. They're being told to boil it because the water treatment plants and just the overall utilities in Houston are not working. They haven't been working now for a couple of days. And people are just getting power back today. And I haven't spoken to my boss now for for two and a half days. 
and because he's dealing with real world stuff, like real, real world stuff. And they are just an absolute mess in Dallas and in Houston today. Millions of people are dealing with some really awful circumstances. So I just I know we're a sports gambling show. I just wanted to start the show off with that, that if you can help. I, I don't know what the right move is as of right now. OK, I I don't know how to help these people because we haven't seen a coordinated effort yet because they're still in the middle of the storm in a lot of ways. But when it is done, there's a lot of people who are going to need a lot of help. <laughs> and a lot of people who are going to need places to stay. They're going to need help. You know, their, their apartments are going to be, you know, uh, you can't live there. They're not going to live there anymore. People who live in these apartment communities because of busted pipes and the pipes that have broken, the water has frozen. So when the water, when the heat comes back on, then what? Where's the water go? The water's going to go just ripping through these apartment complexes, and you're going to have you know, a complete disaster on your hands with thousands of people needing places to stay. And I don't know how Houston handles that. And they've had to open up you know, major, uh, major buildings before, you know, basketball arenas and football arenas and whatnot to let people stay t- until they fix stuff. But I don't know if that's going to happen again, but it sure feels like that's going to happen again here with Houston. So, all right. So today in the program, we've got uh, Jaws Galat from Odd Shark coming on about the NBA. Utah is back in action tonight. The Pelicans are back in action tonight. What happened last night with the Nets? Oh my, that was, I was on the over. So, I mean, like everyone else in the world, I was on the over and that got there really easily. But if you had bet the Nets to lose that game based upon Kyrie Irving being out and you took the Suns minus five, six, seven, ouch. That was a collapse. That was a 24-point lead at one point for the Phoenix Suns, 21 points at halftime, and then you saw James Harden and company just go to work, and, and that's the NBA right now, and that's really what I thought was going to happen. I, I was hopeful that Phoenix would get up big because then that would force the Nets to really try to go and score, and 230, 231, 232 for a total was way too low as they nearly got to 250 last night, so... I mean, that was a game blowing past the over again. And the Nets move on to a game against the Lakers coming up tomorrow night, which is going to be really big. I expect Kyrie to be in that game. And then that's a, I mean, a big, big matchup. So we'll go over that with Giles Gallant at 40 pass. We've got college basketball games tonight, including a big one in the Mountain West Conference with Boise and Utah State going after it. NHL games and more coming up. Our four big stories, we roll to them coming up next. It is Pushing the Odds. We're on Sports Grid Channel 204 here on Series XM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. So J.J. Watt just tweeted out, free agency is wild. I mean, look, if you're J.J. Watt, you're going to have to make a tough call. You're going to have a lot of people calling. You're going to have a lot of teams offering, and you're going to have to figure out where you want to play and what really are your priorities. I mean, we were talking about Houston there in the open, but look, the Texans were going nowhere. We knew they were going nowhere. So... If you look at J.J. Watt's situation and say, all right, so where would it make the most sense for J.J. Watt to go and play the last couple of years of his career? 
I think DeAndre Hopkins is on to something. And I've been pretty high on the Cardinals. I soured on them about halfway through last year because I thought the injuries were catching up to them on the offensive line. I felt like their defense needed to take a step forward, and it didn't really do what it needed to do to get them to be a playoff contender and a championship contender. But I really do like Kyler Murray, and I think the more that he focuses on just football and the more that he's able to get stronger and to understand defenses and really try to keep himself healthy. I mean, when he's healthy, and that could be the number one question, it was the one, you know, the biggest question for him coming out of Oklahoma, is at his size, can he stay healthy? But they've got the weapons in Arizona. Now, Cliff Kingsbury, there's a question there with the head coach. I totally understand he has yet to prove that he can do it, whether at the college ranks or at the professional ranks. But I think they got the quarterback. They've got decent enough running that I think they can run the ball, but Murray really is their best weapon running the football. They need to probably address that a little bit coming up here in the draft or free agency. But, you know, J.J. Watt coming in to help that defensive line and teaming back up again with DeAndre Hopkins, I think would make a lot of sense. And I think it would be, look, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise a family for him and his, his, his wife. And I, I know Wisconsin's home, and I know Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay. But maybe there's a little bit of the Tom Brady thing going on saying, okay, I've played in warmer temperatures my whole career in a dome my whole career. I'll play outside if I need to, but maybe I don't want to play all eight of my home games outside in the freezing cold. Maybe I will be better off going to Arizona or better off going to a warmer climate. I still think the Raiders make a lot of sense for J.J. Watt. I really do. Uh, But, I mean, there's a lot of people who are saying, okay, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers, your two brothers are there. Go there. Well, do they have the cap space? Ben Roethlisberger. Are they really a championship contender? I don't think so. Then you go to Green Bay. Are they a championship contender? Absolutely. But it's cold. It's outside. And what's the offer? How much money can they really offer you? But he would. it would be a wonderful place to watch and he'll watch him play with his brothers or play at home in Wisconsin. So those are the two places that quickly everybody says he's, he's going to go. But I don't think you can – I mean, look, Tampa's Tampa, right? They're the defending champs. And I don't know how you – if you get an offer from Tampa – to go and you know play with Tom Brady and play with all those weapons on defense, I don't know if Tampa can offer much money. They've got their own questions with young defensive guys who are up for pay raises who just won a championship, so I think that might be difficult for them. But I think you have to at least look at Tampa. And then everyone said, well, New England. I mean, I don't think New England right now is a place that J.J. Watt would wind up. Belichick loves the guy, but why would you go to New England other than I just want to go play for the greatest coach of all time? The Patriots have such problems right now. They've got money, but they've got huge quarterback questions. And there's a lot of people thinking that Cam Newton is going to be back as the quarterback for the Patriots. And if that's the case, I don't know how much better that offense is going to be. Sure, Cam had no, he had no training camp. He had in the middle of a COVID era, and he had COVID himself. There's all sorts, and they won seven games with that. Okay, they won seven and nine. I mean, I said they'd win more than six games. Others said they'd win nine. They wound up in the middle with seven. I don't know how much better are they going to be next year, given that the the whole the division's going to get better, and where does Deshaun Watson wind up going? So, if he goes to the to Dolphins or to the Jets, you know the Patriots. I don't know. I mean, it it just feels like 
it's a great place. Yes, I'm from there. Belichick's there, but I just don't know how attractive it would be to a 32, 33-year-old guy looking to win a championship in the next year or two if the Patriots are the place to go. Watch J.J. Watt's situation. It is absolutely fascinating to watch. All right, the big four. Let's talk about that net game. Down 24 points last night to the Suns. Six-point favorites at home. The Phoenix Suns could not hold on, even after Kyrie Irving was ruled out with back spasms. James Harden would not let his team down. The team stormed back. Nets win the game 128-124. Big three late by James Harden. And after the win, Harden talked about his team overcoming adversity this season. It's about winning basketball games. And, um, we're, we're dealt with these circumstances and, you know, we just have to, we can't complain about them. We can't, you know, powder one. We just have to go out there and, and attack it. And, um, you know, we tried, we tried to, obviously we, we're not going to come on top every single time like we would like to, but I think everything, every time is going to be a learning experience. Number two, the Lakers won their first game without Anthony Davis. It was on the road against the Timberwolves, arguably the worst team in basketball. LeBron put up a couple of really questionable shots in that game, but it doesn't matter. He stepped up. The Lakers play the Nets tomorrow. LeBron was great last night, though. 30 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists. LeBron, after the win, talking about stepping up in place of Anthony Davis. We communicated a little bit in the offseason, and uh, we actually had some good conversations today. Uh, just kind of talking about, um, you know, what, what he likes to do, uh, what his, his, uh, his approach is. Um, and really just, uh, like, like I said, me trying to get down his page means I'm going to ask him a lot of questions, probably to the point where he gets annoyed by it. Uh, because I, I know, uh, the little bit that I have dealt with him, I, I know, uh, you know, he's kind of a, a no funny business type guy. Um, so I'm sure my questions will eventually annoy him, but uh, it's it's just going to be me trying to trying to figure him out. That's me. I set the wrong clip. That's on me. I believe that was Frank Vogel talking about LeBron James. My bad on that. Number three, the Mets reported to camp yesterday. First day of workouts, pitchers and catchers for the Mets. James McCann has come over. He's got a big task on hand, catching Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom came in third last year in Cy Young voting. He, DeGrom, must stay healthy, and he must be effective if the Mets are going to make any noise in the very competitive National League East. McCann yesterday talked about the opportunity to help the star pitcher for the Mets, DeGrom, go after another Cy Young. We communicated a little bit in the offseason, and uh, we actually had some good conversations today. Uh, just kind of talking about um, you know, what, what he likes to do, uh, what his, his – uh, his approaches, um, and really just, uh, like, like I said, me trying to get down his page means I'm going to ask him a lot of questions, probably to the point where he gets annoyed by it, uh, because I, I know uh, the little bit that I have dealt with him, I, I know uh, you know he's kind of a, a no-funny business type guy, um, so I'm sure my questions will eventually annoy him, but uh, it's, it's just going to be me trying to, trying to figure him out. Fourth and finally, the Celtics won last night and snapped their three-game losing streak and needed it against a, a pretty tough Denver Nuggets team that everyone said, wrong team's favored. Well, no, Boston was favored and Boston wins and covers easily. But Jason Tatum, after the game, had an interesting comment about COVID-19. This is a young guy in the prime of his life, one of the best players in the Eastern Conference, and he last night admitted that he is having trouble breathing during games this season in the wake of COVID-19. I mean, it's something we talked about, um, and it's not like a full, you know, it's not like, you know, every game where, you know, I feel like the whole game is just certain stretches, you know, where I just, you know, breathing is a little out of whack and, uh, you know, talk to the medical staff and coaching staff, uh, 
you know, about it. And it's get, it's gotten better. Um, obviously, from the first game I came back and played, uh, you know, I guess it's just a long process. You know, I've talked to other guys that have had it, you know, and they said they've experienced the same thing. Uh, and it, you know, kind of just gets better over time. Um, but as mm. much as we play, um, I guess it takes a little bit longer. Mm. That's a scary statement for a guy in his early 20s in the wake of COVID-19. Those are our four big stories we're covering for you here on a Wednesday's Pushing the Odds. 702-751. Matt is the text line. Coming up next, college basketball on the docket tonight. couple big games. Big one in the Mountain West Conference with teams trying to improve their resumes. Boise's hosting Utah State. We'll get to that. Cancellations as well. Some big games. Texas not playing tonight due to weather. More to come. It's Pushing the Odds. Sports Grid, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Working hard 24 hours a day to give you your USRDA of the winning edge. Everything a growing boy needs. Sit up straight. Get it right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. 702-751. Matt is our text line. 702-751-6288. You know, I've been asked this question a couple times recently as we approach March Madness. And I know a lot of you guys have an annual or biannual whenever every couple of years you come with your guys to Vegas to go to the tournament and I've often stated that look coming to the coming to the desert for the the Super Bowl is really fun and I understand the desire to watch the big game at a book it is a once it is you should do it at least once if you're a big sports gambler if you're a big sports fan you should do it once just to feel the energy of the super bowl it is unlike you will never watch the game the same ever again just every snap every play the yelling the hooting and hollering it's just it's remarkable and now here in vegas we are really trying hard to give you the quote vegas experience when it comes to the books you know circa is the newest property to open up but they're not going to be the only ones in town. We know the Westgate is improving and adding more and more things to what they've got in the Superbook. We've got even smaller, you know, there's been reports and, and, and news stories out of like very small casinos having multi-million dollar upgrades to their books coming in the next year or two because sports, sports gamblers who come to Vegas expect a certain level. They expect to see something and to experience something. So... Come March Madness, due to COVID-19 and the fact that we are relaxing a little bit on the per- the protocols for COVID-19, should you come to Vegas for March Madness. The first two days of the tournament, that Thursday, Friday, in traditional years, is better than the Super Bowl. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it is remarkable how fun it is to be here when you've got games on games on games on games, it's just over and over and over again. It is incredible. <laughs> it is absolutely incredible. And so I would 100% recommend coming to Vegas at some point for the tournament. 
This year, you have to understand that it's not going to be the same. It's going to be a little bit different. One of my good friends is getting married. He wants to have his bachelor party here in Vegas, and he's getting married in September, and he wants to come here and have his bachelor party, and and we're trying to figure out what what month would be the best time to do it. And I've been saying, hey, you know, personally, I think Memorial Day, Las Vegas will feel more like Vegas come Memorial Day. And if you really want to wait, July, you know, the July 4th weekend will probably be the most – Vegas of Vegas weekends. We're going to have International Fight Week again. We're going to have really big that card is expected to be huge for the UFC here in town during the 4th of July. I mean, that's when this market really will come back to feel like Vegas because we'll be well into, you know, the 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 vaccine distribution the numbers are coming down across the country. People are wearing masks. People are figuring it out. People are staying away from large crowds. We, we aren't having major events, and we're keeping our distances. If we're going to events, it's either outside or with a lot of distance between ourselves and someone else. So, you know, not to say we have a handle on the virus. We don't. But I do think that we are coming around to the idea that come the spring and the summer, we're going to be feeling a little bit more comfortable to be around each other, and the casinos will continue to open up and have more availability. So 35% capacity is not great. We'll get to 50% capacity at some point. We, we might get to 50% capacity by March Madness. I, I wouldn't say that's crazy. Here we are in mid-February. In a month from now, could we see 50% capacity? I mean, maybe. The governor has here has, has kind of signaled that that's possible. And then if you're at 50%, it'll feel, you know, it won't be entirely like Vegas, but it will feel more like Vegas. I mean, the day clubs and the nightclubs have been closed, but the pools are now, and, and, and the, the day clubs are advertising that they're opening, you know, come March like normal. I mean, most often the first week or second week of March is when the pools open up here in Vegas. I know for you guys in Chicago, in Boston, Philly, New York, (laughs) you're kind of like even Houston. You guys are like, really? You're talking about pools in March. It's like five degrees here. Yeah, okay, but that's what happens here. Our pools, our summer begins in March. Now, it's not 100 degrees, but it is 85, and it's warm, and it's nice, and then – you know, as you get into mid-March and late March, that's why all of the conference tournaments, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the Big West, I mean, all these conferences have come here for their conference tournaments because our pools are open and it's fun. It's a great place to come and bring your fans, in particular if you're from, I don't know, like Boise, Idaho. <laughs> and, and in Boise in March, it's not fun. It's cold there. Well, in Vegas, it's warm. So that's why everyone comes here for their conference tournaments. So it makes a lot of sense to do that. And I, I I think we will give you the experience. I think it'll be somewhat like you remember it, but it won't be entirely like you remember it. Day clubs opening are big. Nightclubs have not opened. So I, I think when nightclubs are back, then probably we'll say, okay, Vegas is kind of through here. But I don't know. You know, it's it's tough. But. Uh, we are still with weather and COVID problems and weather problems. And Texas at Oklahoma tomorrow already has been canceled due to the weather. It's the third time this game's been postponed, which really stinks, as both these teams are trying to use it to measure up with each other, who's the best team in the Big Big 12 and whatnot. So that game now is off due to the weather in Texas and Oklahoma. And as I've talked about in the open, you know, we're on Sports Grid here for – exclusively for two hours today. We were on you know, yesterday and Monday, the same thing, and I'm guessing tomorrow and Friday, I'm guessing I will not be on Sports Map Radio 
uh, the, the, the the terrestrial portion of, of this show will not air all week. I, I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're not going to be through this. They're not going to have power back. I mean, they don't have internet. <laughs> they don't have internet. Like they have power in some places, but they don't have internet in Houston. Like it's that city is cut off from the world. They don't have heat. They don't have running water. And they don't have the internet. So <laughs> you can see why that game for Texas and Oklahoma has been postponed. But tonight, there are a couple of games I, I want to get into in college basketball. And, you know, the, probably the, the headliner, if you want to call it that, is a late game in the Mountain West Conference. And it's Utah State on the road at Boise. Minnesota, Indiana is okay. Syracuse, Louisville, eh. South Carolina, Tennessee is eh. But in terms of teams needing quad one wins, teams needing to you know, to, to help their resume, Utah State at Boise State's a fascinating game. And Utah State has been off for about two weeks due to COVID-19 issues. Not all their own, but they've been off for games being postponed and games being rescheduled. But Utah State is one of the best teams against the number. They're 12-5 and five this year against the number. Boise is 11-8. and eight. Boise has not covered, though, in three of the last four games. And they didn't look good last time out against UNLV at home. They won the first game by 12. I was on that. I took Boise laying 10. But then the next night, it was 9.5, and, and, well, they won the game by 2. And they nearly blew it. UNLV nearly won that game. The second game of these Mountain West conferences, these back-to-backs, have been very funky and very hard to predict. But generally speaking, the team that you expect to win in the first game has won. The difference is this is a very unique set of circumstances for Utah State and Boise State because both these teams need it. These are two of the better teams in the Mountain West Conference. I think Utah State's the better basketball team, and I'm getting a point and a half. So I'm on Utah State tonight. They are 8-2 and two against the spread over their last 10 games. But again, they've had COVID start- starters and stoppages and travel and whatnot. But I think this team for Utah State, they're long. They've got a lot of senior leadership. They shoot the three really well. And Boise is just kind of all over the place. I, I don't know what to make of Boise a lot of times. And, you know, they, they had a couple of bad losses to Nevada on the road. And now you've got wins over UNLV in Colorado State. But I don't know. I, I just I look at Utah State and I think overall they're the more talented team. They're the bigger team. And if Boise turns the basketball over a bunch tonight, which is possible, I think Utah State just wins the game. I'm, I'm, I'll take the point and a half just because. I'll just I'll take it because it's you know, you're offering it to me, so I'll take it versus the money line just to be safe. But I I think Utah State's the better team. I think they've got the better offense, even though effective field goal percentage for Boise has been pretty good. It's a stat I love to look at for offenses. They're 62 in the country. Uh, with 52.9, Boise at 50.8 is in the 130s for effective field goal percentage. But points per game, they're somewhat similar. Defensively-wise, Boise's been a little bit better defensively. They're still a top-10 team defensively, but I think that number is a little bit inflated by the bottom half of the of the Mountain West Conference. I'm not sure how good Boise is defensively. That's you know that's part of the issue I've got with them. And you know they. If they turn the ball over tonight like they have done in their losses, they, they could have problems tonight against against Utah State. So Utah State's a pretty good team defensively. They're in the top 50 for you know, assist turnover ratio, uh, top 30 for Boise State in that category. But I, I like Utah State tonight to win and just 
you want to take the money line, go ahead. I'm going to take the point and a half. But that's going to be a really good game between two teams that really need victories, need to pad the resume. And, and then the question is how many teams out of the Mountain West Conference are going to get into the NCAA tournament. So I don't think we really have a good idea yet. I think we got to wait and see how the season ends and what games get – do they add any games? There's just a lot of things going on right now in that conference uh, you know, Boise at one point looked like a lock to make the NCAA tournament. So did Utah State. Uh, I'm not 100% positive now on either one of those teams. So we got that. Uh, I will get into later in the show Drake at Northern Iowa tonight. That's another game that I'm looking at. And Drake at five and a half, six point favorites at Northern. There's been some money come in on Northern Iowa as people are remembering that Tank Camp Hill is not available for Drake. I don't think it matters. I think Northern Iowa is a really bad basketball team. Drake's been crushing people. We'll get to that game a little bit later on. But next, Jill Gallant, Odd Shark. Let's talk about NBA basketball tonight. Great games, Utah. Can they keep it rolling? New Orleans, they're overs. Can go again next year? I'm pushing the odds on Sports Good Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralta. All right, before we get to Gilles Gallant from Odd Shark on the NBA slate for tonight, let me just pass along some breaking news. Rush Limbaugh has died. At the age of 70, Rush Limbaugh passes away today. And whether you are of like mind of his or not, you cannot be in talk radio without recognizing the impact and what Rush Limbaugh did to the talk radio world. He changed it. He changed syndicated talk radio. He changed political conversations on talk radio across America. And he is a guy who, if you're in this business, you have to at least acknowledge the impact he made in what he did to, for the medium. And how he grew the medium. But longtime conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh has died today at the age of 70. All right, to the NBA. Let's talk about a couple of big trends. Utah back in action. The Portland Trailblazers are after it. Let's talk to Gilles Gallant from Odd Shark here on Pushing the Odds. Gilles Matt Peralta, how are you? Matt, how you doing, man? I am wonderful. Thank you for the time. All right, let me start with trends in the NBA. So we got two big ones tonight, Utah in, Port- Utah, Utah in New Orleans. Are you someone that rides trends or fades trends, historically speaking? Uh, for the most part, I think it depends on the case-by-case basis. Um, overall, I think trends are a good supporting type of information for maybe some statistics or some matchup trends or matchup stats, rather, that you're looking at that maybe to be able to balance out kind of what you're thinking. I wouldn't necessarily just bet trends just – 
specifically just based off of that information, because I think that can lead you down a rabbit hole of maybe making some bad decisions uh, from a betting <laughs> standpoint. But, uh, but at the same time, uh, I do think, uh, like, for example, the Utah one we're probably going to go over here. I think there is some merit here to, the, to this trend, and, uh, and I think that uh, statistics actually back it up in, in comparison to some of these trends you hear about there, there's just way too many variables in play. Like people are saying like, Oh, this team is, you know, five and oh on Tuesdays when it's raining and all <laughs> these things and all these, you know, uh, these uh, qualifiers that just completely demerit the trend. Whereas if you're just looking at a trend like Utah, for example, uh, over the last 20 games, 18, one and one against the spread, that's a very difficult trend to just overlook and say, ah, that's just a trend. Seven straight covers, 21, six, 21-6-1 overall for the Utah Jazz. You just mentioned it, 18-1-1 over the last 20 games. They are on the road tonight, however. The last four of these games, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, all at home. But they covered the line by 8.5, 11.5, 11.5, and then 2.5. Although I did bet the Philly game at 6.5 overnight before we found out about Embiid. And then that number jumped all the way up to 9 before it closed. Oh. So here we so he's <laughs> You hurt my heart with, when you bring up Embiid. <laughs> yeah, so I got a Keep good going. number there. With Utah, I got a good number. So here we are again on the but this time's on the road now. It's not like they can't cover on the road. They have been covering on the road. They covered the last three games on the road. But Utah is at LA and now no Paul George and Kai and we, we might not see Kawhi Leonard. It's we gotta wait and see about game time for these guys. But I I got two last night. I bet Utah minus two just to ride the trend because I'm going. I'm going to, I've been riding this now for over well a couple of weeks now. Overs for Utah and uh, Utah against the spread. I've been betting consistently. But what do you make of this tonight? Now that the number has climbed at different places up to four or even more than that now with the news that we may see a shorthanded Clippers team. Yeah, I mean, I think the spread is accurate. I mean, I think when you take a guy like Paul George out of the lineup, I think you have to move the spread. I mean, Paul George isn't just some, you know, scrub, you know what I mean? Like, he would impact the line and impact the outcome of this game. Um, And I think the one thing about it, and I mean, I personally don't think that uh, just because it's a very public play, that, that it's still a bad play, especially at three and a half, because we're seeing... Utah, when they have to go on the road and play uh, a team that is very tough, you know, they were only underdogs once on the road in this 18-1-1 stretch, and that was at Milwaukee, and they, and they won that game handily by double digits. So, uh, for me, when I look, when I look at uh, this kind of matchup, I think the three and a half is a good spot. If it starts climbing up or four, uh, if it starts climbing up to maybe uh, the two possession game, like minus six and a half or minus seven, which it probably will if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, I'd be very, I'd be very troubled to to want to take that just because we just saw what the Clippers did there. Like I think everybody and their dog was on the Miami Heat uh, the other night when the Clippers uh, when they like sat out all their guys and then the Clippers ended up winning outright as a as an underdog like that. So I think that's the one thing. Well, for me, is that it, at, at anything less than four four, I think is a good line. If you're taking any more than that, you are getting into risky territory here. It's a great point because look what happened last night with the Suns and the Nets, right? So Kyrie Irving sits. Everyone hammers the Phoenix Suns. The line climbs to six, six and a half, and then it's an outright loss for the Suns, and they blow a 24-point lead last night. I, I feel like – let me ask you this question. How do you feel about closing line value? Did you care about that? I mean, I do and I don't. Like, for example uh, – 
uh, last night I, I got to, like I tried to maybe go a little bit uh, outside the grain. I took the the Timberwolves and uh, I was looking at them. They were probably around seven and a half to eight uh, just before uh, before uh, when the line came out, and then it dropped down to about six. And I'm thinking like, oh great, I've got a half decent number. And then the fourth quarter happens, and the Timberwolves became the Timberwolves again, and <laughs> LeBron was LeBron and just dominated and destroyed that whole idea of closing line value. Um, so I think they're long term there is some strategy with it but again i just think that with closing line value unless it's a winner really you're just, it's kind of just a participation badge like you know what i mean like congratulations yeah. you've got a better line but if but if it doesn't win a loser is still a loser I'm with you, and I, I love it. I mean, I get it all the time. I'm just in basketball this year. I feel like I'm sitting there with the best number going into games, and I lose. And <laughs> it's like, great, I had the oh, best it, number. It's very frustrating. It's yeah. super frustrating <laughs> this year, Matt. And, and like, like for example, like last night for like um, uh, the Nuggets, like they opened up at like four, and uh, they were playing the Celtics, and then they closed around maybe plus one and a half. And you know, for the lot of people that I was looking at. Uh, and follow on uh, Twitter, you know, they were looking more at like a Nuggets money line. And then you watch like the Celtics because they're probably one of the most bipolar teams for me, like from an NBA standpoint, yeah. like one night they'll lose outright to the Wizards by like double digit points. And then they come in back at home. They're playing a Nuggets team that's p- playing fairly well, uh, at least recently, but just were dealing with some injury issues. And then they just destroyed them. Couldn't like the Nuggets couldn't even reach a hundred points. So for me, uh, a lot of the time when this kind of stuff happens, I think closing line value is something that is more of a tip of the cap, like, you know, a little feather in your cap to feel like you have maybe a little bit. But but at the same time, like the team that you're banking on, uh, at least from an underdog standpoint, if you're looking to get the best number, if they don't keep the game close, it doesn't really matter. Mm, agreed. Jill Gallant from Odd Shark joining us here on Pushing the Odds. So the Portland Trailblazers are taking on the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. New Orleans is 18-9 and to the over but they've covered seven in the last eight times. And really, they started the year with five straight unders. And since then, the over has only hit but three times in every other game, dating back to the New Year's Eve day uh, game against Oklahoma City. What do you do with a team that just is not just going over, but 25.5 points over the number last night, 12.5, half, 15.5 over the last four games do you get back involved here with the Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers with a total hovering around 236, 237? I think this is one of the few games that you could bank on that. Now, I will say that a lot of public uh, play and public action right now is on the over. Um, but again, going back, that's similar to CLB. I don't necessarily make my bets based on how the public goes. I like to look at kind of matchups and stats and, and kind of and pick my projection based on that. But... I think with New Orleans, they're one of those teams that really is frustrating, much like the Celtics, for example, because they have so much talent on paper, and you would think even from a defensive standpoint, especially if we're talking about overtrends, they're not exactly this defensive juggernaut that you would think that they would. it would be like 120 to 115 every game. Like You know what I mean? Like It would just be mm-hmm, yeah. you know, a full uh, court end-to-end kind of thing, and it doesn't happen that way. So a lot of the time with the totals when it comes to that, especially a team like New Orleans, I find it very difficult to just kind of be like, okay, I'm all in on this trend or I'm all in on, because one game you'll see that they'll be, look like last night where they just destroy Memphis and put up 140 points. And then other games where they'll lose outright to a team like Chicago or, uh, or to uh, who the uh, Pistons, right? Detroit. And uh, you're just like, what is happening? Like, I can't believe 
that I even thought the Pelicans could win this game, let alone <laughs> why are the Pistons and the Bulls winning these games? And, and they won by double digits. Uh, and then so that's kind of why the Blazers have actually been a team that I've actually been much stronger on as far as winning and covering as underdogs. Uh, right now, just in the last 10 games overall, they're eight and two straight up and against the spread. Uh, a couple of big wins over teams like Philly on their home court when they were nowhere near probably should have won that game. But again, that's kind of where I was looking at angles. Like, cause again, I play a lot of underdogs. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they probably know that that's kind of one of my mm. big sticks is that I love playing NBA underdogs. But right now, Portland is one of those teams that I'm really banking on. I think tonight that I think they can win this game outright. You said that Boston's pretty frustrating. They were four-point favorites last night. I took them at four points. The numbers crashed down a point and a half now. It feels like everyone may be looking at the game the same way you do in terms of Boston being Jekyll and Hyde. Is that line movement right? Should there be money on the Hawks here driving this number from four to two and a half? I think I think it has to be because again Atlanta is another team that I just think is similar to kind of New Orleans, just really below expectations. I think a lot of people were picking them to maybe go to a fifth or fourth seed in the East, and they're just still struggling. Trey Young maybe kind of regressed comparatively to previous years. Um, for me, when I look at this game, if I had to pick. I would probably end up going with a player prop, honestly. Like mm. I, I was just kind of looking at the sides and totals and, and for this game, and it was just kind of driving me crazy because I feel like I can justify all four sides. I can justify an over. I can justify an under. I can justify the Celtics spread winning. I can justify the the, uh, the Hawks um, shooting the lights out and, and, stay, and staying in the game. So for me, one of the things that I do is when I get in that position where I feel like I can justify all four, I start to kind of look a little deeper. And I was looking at a guy like Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. And I think he could actually go over his point total tonight because it's at 24 and a half. And I was looking over his, like, you know, his most recent games. Uh, in 11 of the last 15 games, he scored 25 points or more. Uh, and it's usually uh, the indicator for him is when he's getting 20 shots or more. Uh, in that period, he, uh, I believe he had 20 shots. Uh, in those 11 games that he got to the 25 points or more, he had 20 or more shots in nine of them. So because of the fact that Kemba is still struggling, um, Tatum has even said recently that uh, he's kind of still struggling coming back from, from COVID-19 and that his breathing is maybe not. I just think that Jalen Brown is going to end up kind of being more of the focal point of the offense tonight. I was looking at over 24 and a half prop. It's a little bit higher of a point total for him because usually he's more in the low 20s, maybe even high teens. Um, but because of how much he's relied on on the offense and the fact that it's probably about minus 120 right now to get the over 24 and a half, that's probably the way that I would lean for this game. It's a good bet, and, and given the fact that we just saw it last night, that, that Brown kind of took over the offense for Boston, really when they needed key buckets, they were going to Brown, not Tatum. So I think that that's a good read here in back-to-back opportunities and, and to see this offense continue to run through Jalen Brown versus run through Tatum until he gets back to being 100%. Oh, he's Jill been easily their best player this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. As a Celtics fan, I would agree with that. Jill, great stuff, my <laughs> friend. I'm, I'm out of time, but thanks for coming on. I always love the conversation. Thanks a lot, Matt. Have a good time. That is Jill Gallant at GDog5000. That's G-D-A-W-G-5000 on Twitter to follow him and from Oddshark here on Pushing the Odds. Good stuff. So he is going with a Jalen Brown player prop tonight at over 24.5 in that Celtics game. He says take Utah up to four, and he likes the over here with the Pelicans. Riding both trends tonight. They are public, but as he says, who cares? Tickets cashing, tickets cashing. There's number. There's money on the under for New Orleans in Portland at 235.5. I don't know if that's right. Uh, I think New Orleans, much like what we saw last night with the Brooklyn Nets, they can force tempo and force Portland to play fast. we got a lot more to come here. We'll talk some NBA games next, some other games that are on the docket, including the Knicks and their game next year. I'm pushing the odds. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. Thanks to Gilles Gallant for coming on from Odd Shark here on Pushing the Odds. We are with you for one more full hour coming up here on Sports Grid Channel 204. We will not be bringing in Sports Map due to the issues in the weather in Houston. So Kemba Walker now has been officially ruled out for the game tonight due to left knee injury management. That's one reason why the number is dropping down. But I bring that up because it doesn't change my opinion that Boston wins the game by and covers four. I bet four. I'm comfortable with that. But it, it does elevate Jalen Brown on a player prop perspective over 24 and a half points. That I like because you're going to see even more with Kemba Walker being out off the court. You're going to see even more for Jalen Brown. And again, you, you have to be careful. This is where betting on the NBA has gotten so many people, including myself, in trouble. Because you see that, and you're like, okay, that's the starting point guard for Boston. They've had some issues already with that position, and now you got Kemba Walker who's off the court. How does Boston adjust? Daniel Tice didn't play last night, okay? So people were thinking, okay, Denver. I, I saw it so many places. Oh, no Daniel Tice. The Joker goes off, and that you know, you're going to see an easy walk and win for the Denver Nuggets. Wrong team's favored. You know, Denver should be favored at Boston. And then what happens? It's a double-digit win for the Boston Celtics last night against the Denver Nuggets. Same thing when it came to Kyrie Irving being out last Last night. Oh my gosh, Kyrie Irving is out last night. Yikes. Everyone go crazy, hammer the Suns. Number goes up to 6-7, and then you see the outright loss, 128-124, the win for the Brooklyn Nets and the loss for the Phoenix Suns. So I have the same philosophy and same methodology going into this Boston game tonight against Atlanta. I think Boston's the better team. And without Kemba Walker, you're going to see the number crash. I got four. You'll get two and a half. I still think Boston's the right side. And having them go back and play again right away is good. I mean, they lost four of five, okay? People are calling for Brad Stevens' job. That's never happened before for him with the Celtics. So I think this team playing right away is very, very important and very good. And that's why I'm back on tonight with Boston. Another hour to go. Sports Grid, Channel 2 4.